Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Art Fight Podcast. I'm Joe Nolan here in Nashville, Tennessee. We're only a few minutes late. We had some uh, technical issues, but we got them sorted right out. Brian, thanks so much for your hard work. Are you having a good day? I'm having a great day. Uh, it's been fun. We have uh, painters here. You know, we're doing all the like, what's the other stuff you can do to the house to make it sane because you're here all the time. It's like, mm-hmm. I can't look at this anymore. You have so, to repaint the house at this point. Yeah, we're, do- we're doing some, <laughs> some, some, some middle-aged shit over here. How are you? Uh, yeah, doing well. Um, uh, it's, it's it, like, as I said, I mean, here I am sitting by the window here, the light streaming in. It's like, uh, it's like a Hollywood confidential thing happening out here in, uh, in old Hickory village. But, um, uh, uh, I'm really excited that we have two guests with us today. We, we, a few weeks ago, we, we said that we were going to have less guests. And since that point, we've only had extra guests. So, right, right. uh, you know, such is, such is our burden here at the Art Fight Podcast. That we have so many friends who want to be on the show. Uh, these two gentlemen have both been on the show before. They actually have a new project that is out right now or about to be. We're going to find oh. out all the details from Chris Reaney and Josh Rosenblatt. Thank you guys for being here on the Art Fight Podcast. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Chris, you were on the show. You were on the show just a few weeks ago, Chris. And then that's when we're like, when's the book going to be done? You're like, just a few weeks from now. We're like, just come right back. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. It was, I was kind of sweating it up until about a day ago. I, uh, you know, I just, I got that email from the printer. It's like, all right, ready to go. Everything Uh is sorted. Like at the last minute, he was like, yeah, man, you're, uh, you guys got these crop marks and uh, the last quarter of an inch. Oh, of like no. all the chapter pages and your covers don't line up. I'm like, oh god, no, no, no. <laughs> so uh, you know, I email my guy and the graphic designer, and uh, his name is Nate, actually, which is kind of awesome when you're, you know, when you do anything with MMA and then somebody is named Nate, it's really pleasant to <laughs> say and write their name all the time. Did but, he fucking uh, just slap that? He slapped that manuscript right into he shape. Slapped it together. <laughs> yeah, he did a great job. He did a great job. Yeah. Man, so uh, and Josh, uh, you know, you you have sort of a your book, Why We Fight, is you know obviously legendary uh, at this point, uh, whether you like it or not, and uh, and you know it's funny, like. I, I'm really fascinated with your journey. I'm so glad we had an episode with you. Everybody, please go back and, and check that out. Uh, it was before we got all fancy pants with this video stuff, but uh, still worth uh, checking out. Uh, but we had touched on, uh, you know, Philip Roth and, and some of that, and, you know, and, and I, I kind of, I ended up going down the Wayback Machine wormhole uh, sort of this, this morning. And uh, if anybody doesn't know what the Wayback Machine is, it's basically uh, an internet archive where you can, uh, put in a, a website uh, and then look at snapshots of it from various points in history. And I was going back because I was having, we were having both you guys on. I couldn't help but think about, you know, Fightland uh, and, and sort of the, the, the genesis and what brought you guys together really, I think, in the first place, if I'm not mistaken. So it's like, okay, we're talking about whatever that was, right? 2012 or yeah. 11 or something yeah. like that. But, uh, Early 2013, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and so, you know, I think about that and I think about how I, I don't know. I, I love the idea when sort of um, these kind of collisions happen, and then it's not like you guys interacted in this work way, and then that was it. It was like you guys were both what each other sort of really kind of needed at that time. From what the story is that I really understand about your experience, Josh and and Chris, getting your 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 points of view on that time too, where it was like like I'm here, but now what? And like I've got to, I'm forced to put out content, you know, all the time. Uh, and so here comes Chris, right? And and so the story goes. So anyway, I was going back and and, uh, and visiting some of your your stories from from the earliest of of times, and I ran across that Philip Roth uh, uh, piece, you know. And I think that in a way that got 
that gets ele- in an elemental sense right to the sort of core kind of commonality I think that's all had here, which is just that it's it's this irreconcilable, uh, primal, yet shameful, hard to reconcile culturally, like all these things, right? It's got this sh- sort of this, the early shame of being an MMA fan and and not being in the bubble all the time, right? So uh, anyway, so I really think that was sort of the, the point of origin for you guys, but maybe we can give everybody sort of a sense of, uh, I mean, obviously we'll get to the book and all the things in this collaboration, but I really want people to have a sense of, uh, we've heard we've heard both sides of your stories, guys, but we haven't really heard them, you know, sort of in this mutual uh, uh time frame right in synchronous uh time so i want to make sure that we're, t- we're we're speaking only truths here but uh maybe we can start back with the the early fight land and kind of give people a context for how you came together sure yeah i i, I as I, I write about it in the introduction to the book um it really was a a, a, a bolt from the blue chris really was uh, a lifesaver and in those early days of Fightland. Like, uh, what's the best way to describe it? Like when you see uh, in the old Far Side cartoons, when you see footsteps in the sand on a deserted island, like <laughs> here was a guy, you know, I had, I, had, I had gotten this job to start Fightland and I had this idea in my head that's similar to everyone, uh, familiar to everyone who's, who's, who's we're, we're talking to right now, just this idea, like you're saying, that there's a fascination with fighting that I wasn't quite sure about. I didn't really understand where it stemmed from, but I wanted but I, there was a belief there that it was related somehow to and should be related to everything else I was interested in, that I thought that fighting was more than just, you know, preview shows and 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 the, the, the technique and the post-fight analysis, which is all great. But I wanted to talk about it in terms of psychology and, I, and, and philosophy and history and, as you guys do, art. And, uh, but I was never really sure. I, I loved the idea and I was so happy to get the job, but I, I didn't know if anyone else is going to give a shit. That was always, always up for debate whether anyone was going to care. And very early on in the tenure, uh, when I was just desperate to find anything to write about, trying to find what to, because I had never run a website before and it's an insatiable animal. The website just needs content all the time. I stumbled upon a story. I'm not sure, Chris, maybe you'll remember where it was that I, I saw a story about Chris. And at the time he was working, uh, again, again, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, but almost exclusively with wo- doing the, the woodblock work, yeah. right? That's and right. Uh, I was like, there's this guy doing woodblock paintings of great moments from MMA fights that I had recently seen or had, had, had fallen in love with for any number of reasons. And I was like, well, this guy's perfect to talk to. And, uh, a couple minutes into our conversation when I was interviewing him, I was like, I have to get this guy to work with me. <laughs> it's, it's exactly, it's, it's, I mean, like it, it really was so simpatico and just the basic idea that you would find that you would want to talk about fighting through an art lens and the world through a fighting lens. I was like, all right, I got to grab onto everyone I can who's like this. And, and Chris was my guy. Yeah. I'll tell you, I probably never told Josh this, but you know, I, I it took me about six months to make what I what I thought of as my my introduction to MMA, like the the wider world. You know, I was like, all right, I'm gonna, you know, put together like a portfolio of just MMA based work. So I, you know, I made it all, and then maybe I don't know a month and a month or two before I was ready to make it all go public. You know, Fightland launched, or at least it came into my my. Uh, my orbit of uh, you know knowledge, and I thought, 
son of a bitch. This is what I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to tell a story from a different angle. And now fucking Vice is out there doing it. You know, <laughs> they're, they're, they're beat me to the goddamn punch, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's really, so it was, you know, like Josh says, real simpatico, you know. We really, we were on the same wavelength. We didn't even know it, you know. So that was really a real fun uh, way that it worked out. Joe, you got something. Uh, well, I just I think it's interesting that you know you you've really got me just thinking very nostalgically about that era. I really, you know, felt that like Fightland was, uh, I mean, it was really kind of perfect, wasn't it? It was kind of ideal. I mean, in a way, it kind of reminds me of sort of like a, uh, in terms of the MMA content, it's somewhat similar to what they're doing over at the athletic or at least what they were doing before they sort of gutted most of those people. And we've had some of them on a, on a show in the past. Um, but this idea that, you know, that you can have a longer form writing and you can have more in-depth reporting and, um, that you can talk about fighting in this bigger context. Um, I really appreciated that about that site. And unfortunately, just like the MMA coverage at the, uh, at the athletic, uh, not that it's all gone, um, but, uh, you know, like that, you know, Fightland is, is now no longer a thing. And, uh, you know, I still listen to uh, Jack Slack's podcast, which and Jack Slack was a, a really good writer for on uh, Fightland as well. Sure. And um, uh, uh, but anyway, it just it makes me nostalgic in a way for these very short periods where where I feel like people like us can see our voice reflected or, you know, you, I mean, you guys were lucky enough to be there creating that voice at the, in that space, but, but we get to see it or, or, you know, uh, somehow experience fighting through that lens, but it just doesn't seem to last very long, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was, it was born to last very long. I remember when I got fired and I was so angry for so many months. I was just really upset that I had been fired. But at some point after the sort of after after I calmed down a little bit and I got some perspective, I was like, I was never I was we were never going to make any money doing it the way we were. Like, it was just never like a bunch of people like talking about anthropology and talking about like <laughs> MMA through the lens, you know, like through paintings or or, 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 or feminism or social issues like I loved every moment of it, but Wait, this isn't going to work. <laughs> I, I, I get why they Hold fired me now. I see it. <laughs> well, the thing, the thing for me that I, I, I think is magic about that time too, is that, uh, the, the whole, you had access back then being almost anyone, you could go to a fight and just kind of feel like you could walk up right into the middle of what's going on. Or it was not hard necessarily to get great, seats for you know like you there were a lot of ways to have access like in my earliest days i was sort of just i was like hey i'll photograph these fights for you if you just give me a pass and just let me in you know or whatever not for the ufc but for smaller promotions and i just felt like wow there's this whole magical world it's kind of like when you could see you know jane's addiction in a club or something you know what mm -hmm. i mean before i don't know like, like there's everybody has to remember that a lot of their, their favorite band or their favorite artist whatever you know it's like there was a totally different context in which they were sort of born and you're seeing this kind of uh latent kind of echoes of this amplification of whatever they've become there was something about like and maybe that was towards the end of that period but it really felt like back then access was really um this key to sort of seeing uh a lot of this in real life right which actually um one of the things i want to get to when we do turn the corner towards the book and i just want to shelve this uh but uh 
I think about all your your drawings, Chris, as being uh, through the lens of this kind of mediated state um, in terms of you are looking at your you have camera angles, right? And you've had to reconcile, like, where do I sort of, where's the impression, sort of the camera angle versus um, my own sort of free in space interpretation, you know, or, or whatever. So, uh, but, you know, sort of maybe to try to bridge the gap between sort of the, the, the deep past, right? And maybe up to the present, you know, I guess I'm just curious about both of your perspectives on uh, how MMA's growth and the ability to perhaps access it or when it was a little bit more secret or when you feel like you were maybe on the more like sort of inside because you were working for these kind of sanctioned outlets in this particular way or I don't know, whatever. Like how has that sort of experience changed? You guys came together in that, but then you've sort of been able to sort of stay satellites, right? You haven't gone, uh, you know, obviously it's culminating in some of the work we're going to talk about later. Uh, I think it's good to get become part of an organization and understand what it's like to um, to be granted a certain new level of access that you didn't have as a fan. I know as soon as I got hired by Vice, um, I was able to get into shows for free uh, like crazy. Um, I know, and it was it was almost hard. It was hard to figure out how to how to make work out of it. In, in the way I was doing, you know, um, it's very easy when you're, it's much easier, at least when you're recapping, telling the story of something with words like this is what, like literally who, what, why, where, when, that yeah. sort of stuff. Um, it was almost, it was almost overwhelming, but I do look back really fondly on that time of going to, I went to a bunch of glory events, a couple like live MMA stuff, a bunch of, uh, a couple Muay Thai events and I, I did a bunch of like uh, shows at the Javits Center for MMA expos, and I was like, ah, I'm just going to say yes to everything, you know. And that that was great, but you also you realize that everybody wants a piece of you, and they want a piece of what they can get out of you, how you can give them a leg up, and how you, they can like they really appreciate the work that I made, but they also were like, how can this, you know, like a lot of MMA managers were willing to talk to me when they were like, oh, can I get something out of you to make my fighter happy. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh, all right, I kind of, all right, I see, I don't see a, a long-term future from me in these yeah. interactions. And um, I remember this story, uh, forgive me if it's a little convoluted, I used to listen to a lot of comedians on podcasts, mm -hmm. like the Mark Maron stuff, especially. And I, I they were talking about this, uh, this heavy metal group called Anvil. And who had been around for 30 years, 40 years, and they, they made a great observation, and it kind of applies to all creative people in, in a way. It's better to like, and in their case, it's better to make an album that sells 20,000 copies, but you own the rights to it 100%. You own your masters. And rather than be on Sony, sell a million copies, but they own the rights to all your work. And it took me a long time to figure out that, like, I think that's where, where I belong, where there is like a, a, like MMA is like a slice of the population, a slice of people for whom this sport is like, yes, 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 you know? <laughs> and then within that slice, there's another group that looks at things that like Josh and I make and they're like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I have to realize that, you know, I have to. I don't literally have to do everything myself. 
but I can't wait for someone to, I was so fortunate that Josh found me and was like, boom, you need a platform. People need to see your work. But I can't be like, maybe the next Josh will be a millionaire. You know? <laughs> that ain't it. You know, like I got a taste of it and I, it's like, all right, great. Now it's up to me to make, make what I think <laughs> needs to happen. And I was fortunate enough to. I had, this, to <laughs> I had this vision in my head of like 30, you know, 20 years from now, like Josh is in fact uh, now like multimillionaire and he's, you know, I just you guys sitting around me you know, like that's a hundred and fifty year old whiskey you're drinking there, Chris. So <laughs> you, you know, so congratulations, me- Josh. <laughs> we'll, have you, we'll, have, we'll, have, we'll have a proper drink after the show. I'll have to do it for thirty more years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Um, I, I like that, man. And I like, I mean, Chris, I mean, it, uh, you know, uh, I th- one of the benefits of having you on so recently is that I remember very clearly some of the conversations we had with you. And I remember like we got, we got off on a whole tangent about, um, artists and, you know, having, um, uh, you know, having an ethic about your work that it's valuable and that you shouldn't give it away for free. And, and that's really all tied into, uh, a lot of other do it yourself kind of, uh, attitudes, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, I think, you know, I think you see the same kind of thing in like small MMA promotions and small MMA careers, frankly, that you also see, you know, in, uh, you know, artists trying to make something happen with their work, uh, or, you know, or writers trying to make something happen with their writing. You know, I think there's a lot of it comes down to those same attitudes of like, uh, we're going to, we're just going to do it. We're not going to wait for somebody to tell us we can, we're not going to wait just for somebody to show us how we're not going to wait for somebody to tell us it's okay. We're just going to go ahead and do it anyway. And, and we're not going to be fooled about the value of it. You know, I mean, we're going to, we, we know it's valuable because we made it and, and, and it's ours because we made it, you know what I mean? And I think there's, there's a lot to be said about that. And, and even in the, you know, I mean, we all know all of the stories. I mean, almost I, you can you can almost not tell me any story about any musician where we don't eventually get to the place where we talk about and then they lost all their money because someone fucked them over <laughs> like, yeah. like it almost yeah. always happens. Without looking, they didn't really yeah. read it. They didn't yeah. a lawyer, it's the crooked lawyer, the crooked label, the crooked manager. There's always somebody like preying on these people, and and th- and that's part of the problem is that the the business itself is set up to do that. You know, where if you like you say, if you own your masters, then you know if any money's made, you know that you're getting yours. You know what I mean? So. Right. I don't know. So I, I'm a big fan of that idea, especially nowadays. There's so much that you can do. You know, I mean, we can get into the whole process of how you made this book, but is this book something that you've just made on your own and you're putting it out on your own? Yeah. 100%. Yeah. See? Uh, yeah. It's, it's what I want to make. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, you know, I can't wait for somebody to ask me what I'd like to do. You know, I just got to do right. it myself. And uh, the, the graphic designer is just, he's a fan. Of mm-hmm. my work from Bloody Elbow, mm-hmm. you know, we just have been kind of emailing back and forth, and I was like, "Hey, look, man, this is this is what I want to do," and you know, Nate, put the slap on it, yeah. Nate. Yeah, he <laughs> did. He did. I've worked with great editors. I've been very fortunate. Um, a cousin of mine is a talented video editor. He helped me do some work. Jo- Josh helped sculpt, like you know, the ideas that I had for defining moment which was the column that i wrote and mm-hmm. illustrated for fight land man i always I, I 
in the beginning, I was stunned. And then by the end, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to make my artwork. I'm going to write my article. I'm going to send it to Josh. And then what goes up on the site, I am not going to recognize at all. It's going to look amazing. It's going to read amazing. <laughs> it's going to be like, wow, I don't write that well. But, you know, Josh seems to understand what, what I'm trying to get across. I always, <laughs> I always looked forward to that. That was a great day always when that was published. I'd be like, shit. What's well, good? I mean, I, I, to be totally honest, <laughs> it's my my I, the initial writing process is I always find to be the most frustrating part of the creative mm -hmm. process. I love second drafts. I love the I love for me it really comes alive in the editing. Mm, so yeah, the the way that Chris and I worked is that he would send me a story to go along with his with his artwork, and he had said, "I'm not primarily a writer. I'm a I'm a I'm a visual artist." to do what you will with the writing. So it was great for me because it's, it's like I got to avoid that whole first step, which is so maddening, which is coming up with the idea and fashioning it into the actual structure. And I just got to go in and just tweak and move stuff around and just give it that, give it an editor's touch, which I just, I, even when I'm, when I was writing my book, it's like that first draft is just, that feels impossible to me. But I can, I can read from now just nothing makes me happier than that. So it was, it was, it kind of worked out perfectly in that regard that he would send the template and then I would completely redo yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, man, redo it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really, um, it was, it was like really humbling to see like what good writing is, to have an idea and put it out and then be like, oh, okay, that's, that's what a writer would do with that. And, it, it probably helped get me in check, you know, and uh, not 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 let my my ego get too big, you know. And then when we were talk kind of talking back and forth about making this book, mm -hmm. it actually came to life pretty much the way Josh was saying. He's like, "Hey, look, man, do you want me to write this?" And I was like, "Yes, I do. I'm, I, I do. I'm I'm like at my wits' end at this." So point. so so Josh, you were sort of like like whatever the the relationship is to like you versus your parents and say mobile phone technology and like the the frustrating thing of like you're just trying to get your parents to be able to do basic stuff with technology and you're just to the point where you're like i'll just configure the whole thing and then like give it back to you like this is kind of what you're saying happened here it's like 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 chris you were just flailing and then josh came in and said how about i do that <laughs> Oh, 100%. It's like, look, look, all you want is to check the email. Let me set up right. you know, the router. Josh, you're so you're so benevolent, Josh. Like this could have been like a thing where like Josh is probably on this podcast right now. Like, God, like I just all I wanted to do was the guy a favor. And then now like I'm <laughs> now I'm so deep into this book and now I've got to like, I've got to do these things like, oh, my God. No, but I, I think it's awesome. But I, but I guess what I wanted to say is like if you guys work together in the past and then now you're working together in the present, you obviously have grown a lot, refined your, your crafts a lot, you know, all of that in parallel, but not necessarily in crossing these paths. You know, I know for me, like if like if you go back and you know get the old band back together, you kind of play the old songs, right? Like you have muscles you've kind of developed with people creatively that it's almost like you you regress without even uh, sort of knowing it because it's just right. uh, I don't know. Like it, it can cloud a creative process sometimes. So it's an it's an interesting thing I think creatively that you guys uh, are reapproaching this, right? And you're there's some other kind of give and take. There's a different dynamic. Uh, you know, so I guess I was just curious about maybe the differences between sort of uh, how it was before in that kind of way, and then sort of how you're sitting now with it, where it's like here's the here's the stuff of collaborative work that was really effective. 
I mean, that's the thing is that, I mean, I, I, as much as I appreciate uh, being celebrated for my, 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 my morality and my decency, it was like, it was, I, I had selfish, <laughs> selfish motives too. And that he came to me, came to me and wanted to sort of do it in just the way we had done the fight land stuff, which was, he was going to, he had the artwork ready to go and he want, had these things that he wanted to write. And would I look over them and be, be the editor of the book? And uh, I was at a point then, he, again, Chris has fantastic timing. I'm sort of starting to realize that now. He has a, he has a gift for cuts in my life where I'm sort of at some kind of wit's end. But I had gotten to a point, I think book was, <laughs> the book was long since out and I hadn't figured out what I wanted to do next. And I was, I was just flailing around a couple of ideas. And I, you know, I knew I wanted to, um, I was thinking that I would like to do a collaborative thing and particularly with in a visual art sense. And it, it's funny that I'm talking about it here, Brian, because I was watching a lot of, of um, uh, I, I, like document, like essay documentaries, um, because I was curious about these people who were combining visual arts with, with writing. And I wanted to do something that accompanied visual arts and I wanted it to be a very collaborative thing. Cause I'm, I'm not a, I don't have a visual sense of things. And uh, so when Chris came to me and, and it didn't take long for me to connive and manipulate my way <laughs> into writing them specifically and making it seem like I was doing a decent thing by relieving him of this duty. But it really was, a, a, it was a, it was a, it was a, giant pleasure for me and the thing that I needed at that point because I needed I needed there to be because he gave me what seven or eight pieces and said this is what I this is what we you know these are the guys we need to write about the the, the fights we need to write about and here's the due date which is exactly what I needed because what I what I didn't need was more nebulous mm -hmm. oh I, I need my next idea and that was killing me I was getting suffocated by that impulse mm -hmm. and to have like suddenly there was a drawing there, there was a painting there that had to be discussed in some way. And I was like, okay, this is exactly what I've been thinking about. So now, now the onus is on me. I love that term, the, or the way you phrase that, the, the suffocating from, from the impulse. Is that what you, yeah. It's like, like the idea that you're just, um, when you are at that sort of heavy lifting blank slate, whatever you want to call it stage, you have this, way too wide of a view or opportunity to reconceptualize, you know, or, or, you know, do I want to revisit this or do I want to sort of create something anew in this vein or this way? Like you have way too many options. And so to just be like, uh, you know, Chris is the vulture around you, which is waiting for you to start. Like Chris saw you like one month into the pandemic and was like, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, it's great. Yeah. So, torn shorts, the long beard, the whole thing. <laughs> right. dragging myself along the desert floor. Yeah, man. You will. I mean, you. I mean, I'm sure you guys all. All. I have no doubt that the three of you have had this thought many times in your creative processes, whether it's in music, art, video, whatever it is. When you sit down to do something new and you just blank slate, you have thoughts like, "I need to recreate the world from scratch. I need to create the greatest thing that has ever been created by human hands ever," which is a great way to paralyze yourself into doing absolutely nothing. A hundred percent. Hundred percent, man. <laughs> I, I, I guess um, I don't have maybe quite the level of aspiration, or at least, or maybe it's just like self belief. Even at this point, right? It's like I'm not going to change the world. Like I'm not coming from that place, but I still have like my own weird challenges to myself, right? In terms of just a standard I want to up, uphold to myself, and right. and honestly, that's equally as difficult, right? We're our own. It's so, like I'm so glad you guys are just releasing and doing, and I loved the fact that this has a. a, a 
a clear connotation of a volume. This is an, a, a, a sequence that's going to happen, but maybe a uh, Maybe you guys can just uh, turn the corner here and let's just set up the book really nicely because uh, I, I want to kind of get into maybe a visual tour of a couple of aspects of it because we're just kind of talking about it, but now we can show. Uh, and then be, also, yeah, go ahead. Would it be okay if I kind of just give you, uh, if you could scroll through, you could just scroll through the book. Yeah. I kind of give you the idea behind it because it's funny. I, I think sometimes, did I write that? I don't think I wrote down what I, my idea was for the book, what, what the parameters were. Or yeah, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Just so, happened. Well, yeah, the, other, yeah. the other thing too is that, uh, you know, and Josh, credit to you on this, um, and really both of you from a, a conception uh, or conceptual point of view is that I, I my first uh, thing that I was hit with is that this is great for anybody, whether they're really deep in the sort of MMA knowledge and uh, you know, all that, and they're going to get, you're going to get richer details out of it in that way, maybe, but at the same time, it's not written to abandon anybody, right? Anybody could sit down and you get a baseline slice of a narrative. That's the important thing that supports the, the visual work perfectly. Like you guys did a lot of sort of framing and containing and, uh, limiting in a way that I thought was really amazing. So anyway, uh, I'll do some scroll through and then, uh, maybe you guys can like, uh, give us the director's cut. Cool. Yeah. So there we go here. Yeah. So I came up with that uh, title, The Fine Art of Violence, because I always consider myself a fine artist, uh, more so <laughs> than uh, an illustrator. Um, that's what my training is, I guess. That's what my, my, my educational background is. I, I know I actually know very little about illustration, even though that's my job. <laughs> and I have this idea that, you know, MMA needs a, um, what's the word, a, uh, a solution to the to the the short-term memory problem that it has where things yeah. just get forgotten and it has like a real it's got a real issues with history you know um you know somebody leaves the organization and they kind of get written out of it and i was like man and and the, the number one thing is that there's no season there's no climax there's no nothing you know and that that i think is the number one uh damaging thing about it so I was like, I'm going to start drawing on January 1st and I'm going to stop drawing on December 31st. And it's going to, I'll just do the year. I'll put a book together and it's going to be like, this is what happened. This is what mattered. And um, what I do is on fight nights, uh, I'll sit down. Last year in 2019, I sat down as, on the screen. You can see uh, on the left is charcoal on newsprint, like 18 by 24 or 9 by 12. And then I would rework them into, you know, fine drawings, uh, fine line type things. Um, so yeah, that is, uh, oh yeah, Rose Namajunas and I'm sorry, that's Alexa Grasso and Carolina Kobukiewicz. And uh, yeah, I, I feel like these, 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 a lot of these performances, they just get lost. And some of these people, they're not going to be, they're not going to be remembered, but some of them are really going to make an impact in the world. And, and it's just, unless you have, the right performance on the right night, under the under um, under the brightest possible lights, and then also nobody else outshines you. It's there are too many variables, and I just feel like it's not um, the sport is not set up to to understand itself. It's it's set up to perpetuate itself. And this is a way to prove someone, someone should be able to open this book up at any point in time, flip through it and be like, that's cool. That's interesting. That's cool. Yeah. That's interesting. Check that out. Right. I love this. Oh, cool. Yeah. That was, that was the first, first drawing I, I did for the entire, uh, 
for the entire book. It's and there so was something good. about that one, Chris, where you felt like, because it's Paige Van Zandt and Rachel Ostovich, yeah. you wanted to not have the faces in there because you felt like that that fight was sold as two hot women, right? Exactly. Like there was, a, there was a there was a definitely a political commentary there and saying I'm gonna it's gonna be the twisting up of bodies, it's gonna be the the actual art of the the physical art rather than these are two very attractive women and let's admire how beautiful they are. Exactly, exactly. This is more about like, um, it's about the, the beauty of, of the martial art body as opposed to a woman's body. That's mm -hmm. uh, a big part of, a big part of what I do in general. It's uh, putting together the, uh, the iconography of, of what the M what MMA, what the body does. Um, I've, you know, from, from now we're closing in on 10 years of, of, of making art about this. The most interesting thing to me about it is how at some point they just look like dancers more than they do like fighters. And there's something that's going on in these fights that needs to be, um, needs to be shared with the world on a, on a wider scale. Mm -hmm. it's, there's not a, there's a wider story to be told visually mm -hmm. and, and about it's about the human body more mm -hmm. so than it is about like violence, even though that is my title. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, it, you know, for people that don't necessarily uh, watch or appreciate a lot of uh, combat sports, you know, it is something where it's, and people should just think about it as any sort of forces at work, whether it's the body or, or whatever, um, under certain duress or compression of some uh, sort of circumstances, it's only going to do as much as it's kind of asked to do or as it can most efficiently be done. But there's something about uh, the, because there's just so much energy being sort of uh, forced into sort of a, an obvious collision, which is a fight. There's a lot of things that happen with the body that are just never going to come out in any other circumstance really at all, right? There's a, a, a galaxy of unique forms that you're probably uh, trying to form at least constellations with. Right. It's true. It's true. And I never, um, I, I'm never ready for what is um, exciting, what is uh, actually captivating. Uh, I never realized that like, you know, everybody groans when people clinch up against the fence, but that's one of the most interesting things to draw. It's one mm -hmm. of the most, um, um, oh, what's the word? It's it, because, it, because that's the one time you have the fence supporting someone. They can really like plow right into each other and you, and you see like um, these, these, these shapes take place over and over and over again where uh, bodies are like, it's one of the few times they're really locked in, um, Oh gosh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're locked in struggle, but they're, they, there's an incredible amount of force, but a small amount of movement. That's mm. what, and, and there's a, what's the word? It's not, it's the other side of kinetic energy. Uh, I think kinetic would be movement. Static. I don't know what's that? Static. Static. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's it. That's it. He calls me for the words. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know how bad this would be without them. <laughs> Joe and I just failed sixth grade science in one moment. <laughs> uh, force. <laughs> Inertia. Drama. It's dra this is a drama, right? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, you're right. Yeah. Tension. <laughs> oh man. 
Yeah, uh, Chris, what was the decision? Like, I, I really do appreciate the fact that you included, you know, uh, uh, you know, everything from like preliminary sketches all the way through, you know, more finished pieces. You know, that 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 seemed to be more like fully realized, colored in. And uh, um, what what was your th- did you think about having something that was just like Chris Reaney's greatest images ever, or did you always want it to be a mixture of stuff? Well, I, this was going to be way bigger and way more mm-hmm. than necessary. Uh, I didn't know <laughs> it at the time, but very much like what Josh said, like when you, when you're like, I'm going to make something new, it's going to be, yeah. A brand new landscape. I'm going to shape this like fucking you know, Fabergé six, eggs. Seven days. <laughs> <laughs> and now, yeah, I'm like so excited to do volume two. I'm like sitting down, picking out fights, you know, rewatching them. And I realize I'm going to do so many fewer fights than I did this time. Mm. But I would like to do, um, uh, or, or rather, like the balance between uh, refined drawings and more rough ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would rather make a half a dozen drawings of Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje than just one. That's right. really what it comes down to. The more profound the uh, fight, the, the, the literally the more imagery I'd like to make about it. Um, definitely, you ever have this thing where I mean, this is a common joke amongst artists that you do your best work on newsprint. And then once you have a beautiful canvas with your oil paints, you're just frozen in fear mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the, the terror of having to make something great. So you only yeah. make your greatest work it's, on like loose leaf. That's why everybody ends up chasing their demo in a studio session. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. number one, that's why the charcoal stuff is there. Uh, some of those like that, uh, if you wouldn't mind scrolling back. Oh, right. here we go. Here yeah, we go. Yeah, here we go. Ready? Ready? Um, it's that, uh, the kick by, um, yeah, that's it right there. Perfect. I'm not drawing that again. That's it. That happened on fight night. That is Irene Aldana. You know, I, that's it. I'm never going to do better than that. That's, that's what happened. It happened the night of the fight and that's what's going in the book. I think that, um, this, super finished refined work that is for you know the consumer that's for people and then like the real rough stuff where you can see uh, you know the, the, the struggle to get the right curvature the right, right. line that's for artists and I, I mean personally i i tend to love drawings more than i do uh finished work and i've talked with other artists and we all kind of i don't want to say suffer from the same affliction but we feel like that the life, the vibrancy is there. That stuff is, you're seeing the, the, the person's hand and their arm and their, mm-hmm. their energy is in there. And then the more refined stuff is like, it, it, sometimes it dies. Sometimes mm-hmm. it, it dies on the canvas and you don't get the, you don't get the story. You don't get the life. You know, you just get like this, like painstaking grasping for perfection that never comes. Mm-hmm. Right. It's almost like even if you do get it to, you know, if you do have one that's sort of dying on the vine, but you somehow resurrect it and you get it to a place where you're like, okay, I feel pretty good about this, I think. And then people like that a lot. It's almost like you subconsciously hold it against the person that likes your stuff <laughs> because they, they don't know how good the original was that you're sort of still in sort of turmoil about. Sure, sure. Yeah. It's such a, we're, we're such, it's, it's annoying, right? Just to care about shit. <laughs> man that's beautiful right there but you know what i mean like it's of course just, of course it's like 
but it's also how do you also manage to in parallel not give a shit it's a it's a it's a weird life man it's a strange way to be right it is i it's funny now i'm at the point where i had to kind of scroll through the book and reread it and look at a couple pieces again right before we did this because i am i can tell i'm starting to let go of it now because um i i basically ride a wave of like i can't i'm so proud of this this is wonderful this is my vision i can't wait to do the next one it's going to be even better and sometimes i look at that book and i'm like i can't believe i am such a so fucking full of myself this work <laughs> is not good i can't believe i i show it to people yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know? oh my god i'm such an idiot you know like I've, I've i've been through the whole ringer so i have to just let it go and i'm thrilled about it <laughs> oh see this piece right here that you have on the screen that's a. Uh, that's the Korean zombie after he uh, knocked out Hinato Moikano. And that piece was inspired by Sean Alshadi's um, post-fight column about it, about the, the enthusiasm of the South Korean population or the Korean population, uh, how you know they, they were just flooded the arena. And that's actually why I have the media row and the laptops in that picture. 99% of the artwork in this book, I strip away everything. No octagon, primarily because I want no advertisements. I don't want the outside influence. I don't want the distraction. I've, I've definitely grown to grit my teeth when I watch fighting. I don't know if you guys feel this, but it's like the tweets come up. There's like ads everywhere. Yeah, yeah. The, the camera angles, they like cut them off at the knees all the time. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, man, am I watching a fight? <laughs> you know, where is it? It's like it's like it's like in going on the internet and like, you know, I don't know, 1999, and just like, oh god, oh god, all these pop-ups keep coming up, keep coming <laughs> up. You know? And uh, so I wrote, I did this because that's he, he wrote a piece about the zombies' um, relief, having finally won a fight after the embarrassment of losing the Yair Rodriguez fight. So. Um, this was one of the few pieces in which a piece of writing influenced the uh, the artwork itself. And I'm going to use this moment to segue and say, Sean Alshadi is going to be one of the writers for Volume 2. Mm, that's right. Nice. Uh, if that's all right with you, I'm going to name drop a whole bunch of people I've been in touch with. Uh, yeah. Josh. I hope I'm taking this moment to put Josh on the spot. Nick. Would you like to write again? <laughs> <laughs> But we have. I don't uh, know. Now that I've heard you being inspired by writer, you know, you know, you could just go off with Sean El Shadi and do whatever you want. <laughs> uh, well, listen, this is. I'm. I'm really proud of this. That I know the book is good because some people who have, you know, had sneak previews and they're going to be covering it for the websites have come back to me and be like, "Listen, man, I started reading this thing." just like because I was going to bed and I couldn't put it down. I read the entire thing. Or they'll like email me. I'm like, I'm halfway through the book and this thing is amazing. Oh my God. I gave this book to six writers and all six of them came back and were like, yes, I'm going to, I want to be part of volume two and I can't take credit for it all. I mean, Josh, you did an amazing job. You, people are responding to this with such, um, it's fantastic to hear, man. Yeah. It's great. So, so the, the lineup is going to be Josh Rosenblatt, Sean Oshadi, Chuck Mindenhall, Julie Kedzie, Fernanda Pratis, Eugene awesome. S. Robinson, and Schwan Humes. Oh, you got, you got Eugene. I did. 
Nice. <laughs> Going back into the fight, the old, the old Fightland crew, huh? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, I've been, you know, Eugene. Uh, while he is a bit, a little bit older than me, he uh, he grew up and uh, especially he did weightlifting in the neighborhood where I grew up. <laughs> and uh, I can't help, I can't help but have some like uh, loyalty to people who are from uh, from a certain uh, geography. <laughs> man, so this is like. We're just trying to even wrap our heads around this book. And what you're doing is you're using the opportunity to tell us about your next book. Like you're so on one hand, you probably are one of these people that feels like everything's going at a snail's pace. I'll never get this thing done, but really this should be evidence to the fact that you're actually operating at kind of a warp speed to get all these things uh, together and to, and, and it's good to get them out before you really understand what you've actually done. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be wild. I'm actually going to be uh, live streaming the making of the next book. Oh, cool. Uh, it's either going to be on YouTube or Twitch or both. Uh, I'm still kind of putting that all together. But uh, yeah, that that's going to be, uh, I mean, I have a YouTube channel. It's Chris Rainey. I have Chris Rainey art um, set up at over at Twitch. And yeah. This is the other wild thing. Um, a lot of the next book will be done digitally. This is everything you see here is done manually, analog. It's all charcoal on newsprint or ink on paper. And this year, I finally bought uh, an iPad Pro and an Apple Pencil, and I'm like, all right, yes, I'm going to do this. And I'm learning for the like as as a very very aged person uh, how to make <laughs> art digitally. Man, it is daunting. <laughs> It's a good time for that, though. I've, I've, I've been in the, the mode of learning a lot and, and having the sense that maybe I have the time now. Like if I if I don't do it now, when am I like I'm not getting any younger. Right. And when is this kind of interruption going to happen again to where I can really justify, you know, putting like, you know, eight hours a day into learning a sampler? You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, do it. Like that's just uh, there's no other time. So yeah. uh, I'm just glad to see like, you know, people taking advantage of it, uh, you know, where they can. And then, you know, Joe is, you're like one of those where it's like, you just all of a sudden release stuff. Like I never even know that it's, it's coming. <laughs> right. Like you're just like a, like just quick release. Another release. Well, I don't know. I think, I think you got to, uh, you know, I don't know. I feel like, you know, and I kind of, I kind of, this sort of goes along with what you're talking about, Chris, in terms of like, you can get really worked up about things and you can get really into this idea of like, I'm going to do this huge fucking, you know, this is my, this is my fucking, uh, Sistine chapel, my uh, apocalypse now, you know, this is my, you know, fucking paradise lost. You know, I think, uh, I think that I, there's a fine line, especially like in rock and roll or whatever. Uh, but in lots of stuff, I think there's a fine line between caring as we talked about earlier, like actually giving a shit and, and, and wanting to live up to what you think you can actually do versus just letting yourself be kind of lazy about it. Um, and, and also on the other side, uh, sort of approaching everything and, uh, sort of coming off in the doing of your art with a bit of irreverence and a, and a bit of, a bit of carelessness about it all. And I think that I used to get really worked up about my projects and then I get really worked up about the release of the project and all this kind of stuff. And now it's like, I just try to like keep working and that, and part of working is getting stuff out there. And part of getting stuff out there is 
all of the, you know, promoting and tweeting and blah, 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 and making a little noise about it so that it, you know, maybe gets on somebody's radar here and there. Uh, and then just keep going on to the next thing. So I think that's, it's like, it's really just about that. And then with music, man, it's always like, I'm just always behind anyway. I've always got more going on than I have out in the world. So there's always something where it's like, okay, I've got to get a couple of songs out here before the, before the universe forgets that I actually do this. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I think, so. good to, I think it's good to have both. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I know for me, it's good to have both avenues available. Like I, I find that like when I was writing the book, having the opportunity, if I could write a story a week that would mm-hmm. go up on a website and just something you could spit out that had that energy to it, that had that sort of like you're talking about, like yeah. it's not the biggest deal in the world. It's not the end of the world. And you could just sort of spit it out there. And a lot of times those are, there's an energy and a blood to that kind of thing that, that is more thrilling after slogging away at perfection at your magnum opus for so long. Uh-huh. And then you have the other thing where you start to feel like I'm throwing out a bunch of pieces everywhere into the internet, into the giant. Yeah, that's true too. That is, the, that is the internet. And you start thinking to yourself, I'd kind of like to have something that I devote my an entire year to. And, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not really different. I find how I uh, take in art as much as I put it out. I mean, like there are times when all I want is to hear pet sounds and think about every move that was, how everything is articulated perfectly. And he spent months on this sound and, you know, when they're doing good vibrations, they took one studio and then they would do it. Like it took months to do a single tape around the waltz. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. With with the cello players and the whole thing. And then, and then sometimes I just want to hear them sing Barbara Ann, like, Mm-hmm. live in their basement with like where they're like literally playing an ashtray for percussion. Cause it's like, sometimes you just get, I, I get yeah. so frustrated by the perfection of it that I want someone to, like you say, give me a, some life, you know, cause right. one, you know, one can start to, you know, it's the same way I, I, I had to, I had to give up my subscription to the, to the New Yorker years ago. Cause I just got tired of, of that level of editorial perfection. Like it never uh, felt yeah. like went be outside the lines at the New Yorker. I was like, yeah, I, there's, there's no arguing with the quality of the writing and the quality of the thinking, but I've got, there's no blood here. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got, mm. you got to get some blood in there sometimes. Yeah, yeah I know. hundred percent, man. That's Go a ahead, great Chris. way. You have to, um, you have to get stuff out in the world. You can't stay in like the ivory tower and be like, it's coming. It's coming. It's going to be great. It's going to be, even if, <laughs> even if it really is great, you may have spent so much time sequestered that you're incapable of like, you know, flexing those other muscles of like communicating to people, mm-hmm. you know, to, just to get them to, to read what you wrote, you know, like mm-hmm. it's good to be out there. It's good to put stuff out there all the time. Um, and I mean, of course, striking a balance is like everybody's quest in life before they die yeah. and they never do it, but. It's yeah. smart to know that you're supposed to find that. Well, yeah. but Chris, that you, you're you're so you have so much affection for your drawings and the and the and the <laughs> stuff because I that was my like when my, when I was going through the book and and because you had sent me all the files, I just I loved the sketches and the because especially with something like sport and MMA where it's like so kinetic that right. you kind of want like the thing that captures as best as possible that yeah. sense of the physical energy, you know? Yeah, I agree, man. Thanks. I'm glad, I'm glad it resonates with people. I, I did them. I started a couple of years ago 
and then I, I took a break. And when I did them in the beginning, I, I did them more as a joke, you know, like, oh, right, I can make a silly picture or a joke about whatever just happened, you know. And then I realized that, um, you know, probably the best work I did in art school <laughs> was like two, two to five minute sketches, you know. So those are the things that, you know, better than my finished paintings, better than my finished drawings. Those are the things that still look good 20 years later. Like there really is that, that life and uh, the ability to, uh, to, to accept that about oneself is, is rough. You know, that's hard. That's not easy. It's not easy to be like, I'm best when I keep it loose. I'm best when I'm not trying to be perfect. I'm best <laughs> when I'm not trying to make a good portrait. You know, that's not what I have to bring to the world. Although there's, a, there's like maybe about, you know, there's a Ben Askren on the state. On the, well, this is, I mean, this the, is the contradiction to that sen sentiment is that this was one of my favorite ones. Is that like, that, like there's so much heartbreak there that, I think you needed, I, forgive me, you know, I, that's totally presumptuous, okay. but it's the kind of thing where I would imagine you needed to sit with that for a while and really make it so that the blood coming from his eye, like that there's there's sadness and disappointment there and not just, it's not just a moment, it's like a reflection of a deeper something, you know, which is probably something you can't get when you just sketch it, you know? Yeah, it's hard. I, I've, I've long felt that with rare exception, the best way for me to make good art or great art is to make a lot of art. And that's really, you know, that's my, my path. Um, I wish I could say that, you know, I could pick my spots, but I'm better off. You know, I, that's one thing I, I learned uh, by going to museums and, and seeing great masters. I couldn't help but realize that like, they made a ton of art. And if you make a ton of art, eventually you'll make something great. And that's kind of my approach at this these days, and I'm so I'm I'm so glad that something resonates with people, mm -hmm. and like I feel like yes, that is one of the better ones too. You know. Well, that's another thing about it is that you you never know. You can agonize over something, and you never know what's going to be the one that connects with a reader or a watcher or a list. Like you don't you you know it's not it's not yours anymore. Once you put it on the page and you sell a book, you don't get to say to someone, no, that's not the one that you should be affected by. You just oh, never yeah. know which song is going to get to people. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, if you're lucky, they tell you. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Chris, one aspect of the of what you're doing uh, and the stuff that Brian's on right now is really is really uh, it. The Masvidal um, stuff with uh, um, uh, with Ben Askren. I I think they're both of those fighters and the way that you capture them. I think I think they're a really interesting uh, example of you really being on your game in terms of the way that you're able to capture these fighters, uh, you know, and, uh, and I feel like, you know, sometimes you capture them. I mean, it depends to the way that you show them. A lot of times it's hard to recognize who they are because, because you can't see their heads or whatever's going on. You know what I mean? So there's that aspect of it, but it does seem like there's, there's times where you really just are able to capture these fighters in these very stylized ways that make them very, uniquely Renian, you know what I mean? In terms of like, this is like a Chris Reaney drawing, uh, but it's also unmistakably this personality or whatever. So what's, how do you do that? And what's the balance there for you for like how you are able to capture these personalities, but do it with your own style? You know, that's kind of something that's been, been part of the way I make artwork my whole life. I remember trying to you know, to draw like a portrait of me and my dad when I was younger. And, you know, my family saw it and they were like, 
<laughs> it doesn't look like him, but it, but you know it's him, right? It's like, yeah, you know, like you realize that there's there's some like if I'm capable of capturing uh, like an immutable element of someone, it doesn't necessarily need to look like them. It mm. needs to be unmistakably them. Mm. Uh, I, that's why I did the portraits of Nate and Masvidal. Um, I felt like, all right, yeah, I, I know what. Like these people have shapes; they have they have defining uh, features. Um, there's a there's a thing in illustration, um, which I have gotten around to studying now that I'm an illustrator for my day job, <laughs> mm-hmm. where people debate the value of: Are you drawing something, or are you drawing a symbol of something? You know, mm-hmm. if I draw like a long rectangle with a circle halfway down um, to one side. You're going to be like, oh, that's a door, as opposed to, but I didn't really draw a door. I didn't do a good door. I didn't draw a three-dimensional one. So you have to, so I'm perpetually um, finding the, the, I'm trying to go right in between um, drawing something or drawing a symbol of something. And I'm well yes. aware of it. I'm, I'm trying to exist with one foot in each world. Can, can, mm-hmm. can I can I relay that to maybe music or something else just to sure. try to, it may not be the perfect uh, sort of parallel, but I, it helps me kind of understand what you're saying, whether I'm right or wrong. But um, a lot of times, especially when I was producing a lot of recordings where I'd be in the studio with an artist and there's, there's, you, there's a moment where the record starts to kind of like take on its own life. You got your basic tracking done, the heavy lifting of that first draft, like you're talking about Josh, right? Just that, that initial sort of ugh, just getting this thing going. Like I can, I can revise and make this in better in a million different ways. Right. But I just need something to kind of work with. You get this point where, you know, the artist, everybody starts to kind of feel good about what's happening. And, and then there's this spark of excitement that happens that in my years of producing records was like the biggest uh, alarm bells in my head ever creatively because there's, it's almost like uh, everybody becomes childlike, right? And they're like, "Ooh, oh, you know what I hear, you know, right here? Oh, you know, it'd be awesome." And like, it's because there's just enough sort of scaffolding to now people can start to get a sense of what should be where and and start. But it, some people are already talking about color hues and drapes when it's like we don't even have like plumbing or like everybody calm down, right? But there's enough there for people to start really kind of getting with it. And then even at the more refined stages of really starting to put your last overdubs on a piece of music or whatever, I, I can't tell you how many times I heard people say, you know what I hear right there is I hear, yeah. I hear this melody and it goes, bop, 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 you know, whatever. They, they, right. They'll spell it out. Like I hear it. And then you'll like, okay, well, hold on. Just let's listen to it. And you listen to it and you're like, yeah, yeah, I hear that. Well, the reason why you hear that is because it's there. And it's it's it may not be overtly inferred by uh, a really high in the mix piano part to like sort of illustrate it in this very pointed kind of obvious way, but there's still like the stuff of those harmonics and and all that. So really, what's happening is it's setting your the your brain into motion, right, to where you start to your brain is starting to make up the distance between what it understands of what it's perceiving and what it doesn't understand. And it creates its own little sort of narrative and shadings and all that. It's the same stuff that gets activated when you read a book or, or, you know, uh, whatever it is, you know, I mean, I think in a weird way, as a side note, that's why you guys are such an awesome sort of pair in this way is because Josh, you're like, you're, you're so like, I'm not a visual person, but, but you, but you are, it's just the manifestations of that, uh, heavy lifting from the uh, the visual side really connect here, you know. So, so I guess what I'm hearing you say is like, 
what I feel I perceive in a lot of mediums, which is just that if you allow people the, like you want to have headroom on your recordings, you want to have space, you want to allow like a little bit of distance for people to kind of connect to what they're uh, experiencing and what the intended audience or, or what the artist wanted the what the artist intended for the audience to get out of it. There's all kinds of gradients. I love that you're talking about like I'm right down the middle, like trying to get this sweet spot uh, between sort of depiction and uh, making the mind wander a little bit. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. That's true. That is like having been, you know, a musician in the past, that is, there is like that, that is like that magical sweet spot of like, yeah. Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. And then everybody wants to put layers on top because now we all know what the foundation and the framework can can support. Yeah, Josh, have, did Josh ever come into this process at some point, uh, Chris, where you were like, "Oh, now he just kind of wants to do his guitar solo." Like this is the this is the part where Josh has been kind of just holding back, but now he's like, "I got something." No, we were. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Josh. <laughs> No, no, go, go, please. No, I, I think we we ended up. Um, you know how you were saying sometimes you can regress when you get the band back together. This was um, a, the more of the um, the flip side of that, where you get the band back together that that got cut short too soon, and instead you're like oh man, I remember what, what you do, I remember what I do, and now I'm going to just roll with it. I didn't overthink what I was sending him. I was like, bang, 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 bang. This is what I was thinking. This is why I made this artwork. And also, you know, we weren't making this for anything other than ourselves. And then it becomes even easier. I'm not trying to tell a story um, for a website for like a column that has a theme. Let's say I'm making my book and I'm going to make these images and I'm going to, and this, I'm going to tell you, Josh, this is why I made this. And he was like, boom, great. And he was able, able to like, I felt I had to agonize a lot less thinking about what I was going to make, uh, what I was going to, the, the explanation, the, the writing that I gave him. And Josh, you had kind of the same pace, same approach. Well, I was just going to think when, 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 when the, the, the really fascinating thing for me that my favorite pieces to write were when because for a couple of them, Chris would sort of give me the idea behind why he wanted to do that piece and others he would just leave it to me. But one or two of them, he had specific like he it wasn't so much about what was going on in the fight. It was a it was about what was going on in his artistic interpretation to the fight. And there was one where it's uh, one of the Johnny Walker knockouts from that year. And there were many Johnny Walker knockouts from that year. And he, he used this technique, which I didn't know there was a name for, despite having grown up with cartoons my entire life called the smear, where he was, where he was using, you know, a, a smeared image to communicate uh, quick movement over several frames. And so my favorite ones to write were, where, where I was trying to find a way to take what he was teaching me about visual arts, like a smear, or there was the one with John Jones, the, the graffiti, yeah. the sort of instant, that's funny, we're talking about this now, the, the instant graffiti versus the, the graffiti that's meant to last. Yeah, so that one, the, the, the smear approach. And so when I wrote about that, I tried to find a way to talk about this smear technique 
as it related to Johnny Walker, which was just an interesting challenge. Because again, as much as I love the visual art thing, not only am I not a visual artist, but I didn't even have the language for it. So he's like, oh, that's a smear. It's like, okay, so what does that mean in relation to Johnny Walker? And it was sort of like, oh, it's perfect. Johnny Walker literally in that 12 month span and fought four times for a total of three and a half minutes or something ridiculous. Right. Three wins and two lo- and a loss in a total of five minutes. It's like, what could be a better analogy for what he did than we've got to figure out a way, we artists have to figure out a way to make it seem like he's moving through space, but it's so fast that we've got to trick the brain. And that's kind of what his career has been so far. <laughs> yeah, I do like that one a lot. I was a little disappointed that he lost at the end. You like, But you're right, like even the loss, like it, 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 <laughs> it did. I had to put one loss in there in the, in the, when I was writing. I was like, God, I was really hoping he had lost to, to whoever it was Corey, in Corey January Anderson. of the next year. Yeah, I was hoping <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. he do it right. But the uh, the John Jones one, I really I really like that one as well because I felt like the like the Johnny Walker one was about his performance, his career, and people's perception. But the John Jones one, uh, like John, like Josh said, it's about the psychology of John Jones, like who he is in relation to everyone else, and how he lets you know he's better than you. And the heads up, I'm always here. I'm always here. I'm always going to be the light heavyweight guy. And it kind of it kind of lasts even till today where, you know, he left the light heavyweight division and uh, he's still there. He's going to loom there for, for, for decades probably, you know? Um, Anyway, uh, let me, let me toss this out there because I've been, I've been saying this on Twitter um, that if people listen to the art fight, they can get the book a couple days early. The secret is that the book is already available at chrisreeny.com. C-H-R-I-S-R-I-N-I.com. There's a digital download and there is a physical book. And uh, a couple couple copies have been bought already. And it is a extremely limited edition. Um, so I'm going to number... Put this right over your face, Chris. Look at this. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Thank you. Um, yeah, I'm gonna, this is like what you're. This is a, a caption, basically. What you're saying. I'm going to sign and number each one. Uh, the first edition is done, and I'll probably do a second run, and then we might just cap it at that. You know, right on. Uh, I got a really nice uh, a printer that I've known for since college, and uh, I'm so thrilled that I get to call him up and be like, "Will you print my book?" You know, it was amazing. It's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, where can people find you online, Chris, if they want to find out more about your work and follow your stuff, you know, like daily as you're tweeting it out and everything else? I am aggressively online uh, <laughs> on Twitter. At, I, I am at, at aggressively online. Now. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, at Rini MMA, R-I-N-I-M-M-A. I'm pretty much on Twitter uh, an embarrassing amount. Yeah, that's uh, where over, we all connected. Yeah, I'm over at Bloody Elbow. On Mondays and Wednesdays, I do a satirical editorial cartoon called MMA Squared. So I do, uh, you know, kind of joke about the news uh, in uh, cartoon format. And uh, let me see. Uh, and ChrisReeny.com. My email address is there if you ever want to get in touch with me. Um, I have a YouTube channel. My name is Chris Reeney. I'm there. And uh, Chris Reeney Art on Twitch.tv. Right on. Um, Hopefully that will be up and running within about a month. I've done all this with two children. 
And uh, while you guys have been learning, I have just been suffering for six years. <laughs> <laughs> suffering is learning, right? Or, or oh, yeah. that's about... I, I know so much now. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, shout out to all the people that have procreated and then now are enduring the absolute consequences of it. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I see all the, I have a lot of friends that are single moms and doing all of the, you know, working quarantine is whatever, uh, trying to do the homeschool thing and all that. I really, I know you, anybody who has a, a human that they're in charge of, uh, has been on full-time extended duty for, for a, a good while now. It's sort of like, it's, it's a good thinning of the herd though, because it's kind of like, Oh, so now you're under, like, there's a lot of people that you can tell that like a lot of the back to school people were sort of like, I didn't know what I was getting into with the responsibility of having children, but I can't, I can't vocalize that or say that. So I yeah. have to just try to get out in front of whatever's, uh, you know, in the way of getting this human out of my house. <laughs> how have you, Josh, how have you handled quarantine? I'm ashamed to say that I've, I've, I've loved quarantine. I mean, I, I feel awful, but my wife and I have a lake house in rural New Jersey. We've been out here the entire time. I've been reading and writing. I've been sitting on hammocks. It's it's terrible. I actually had the thought no, the other no. day. I actually had the thought the other day that quarantine might be ending at, at some point, and I actually got a little sad. And I let me tell you, know, you, I really feel awful saying that, but it's true. No way, no way. I talked to some of the dad friends that I have, and we're like, "Hey, man, hey, do you do you secretly think that if you didn't have kids, this might be one of the best times of your life?" They're like, "Oh yeah, without it, everyone. If I didn't, oh I, 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 oh yeah, all of my friends have kids, and and I am, <laughs> I, I am not ashamed to say that the smartest thing I ever did was not have kids, and this and the <laughs> confirmation of absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Understood, understood. Yeah, <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen all of you guys. I've seen all my friends with the hundred, that thousand yard stare when they realized school was not coming back. <laughs> No, I kind of, I kind of knew that was gonna happen. I, it, you know, I'm over here in like the, sh it was the shittiest place to be in. in oh yeah, you were in, in Queens, in America. right? Yeah, yeah. I, I lived a ten minute walk from Elmhurst Hospital. Yeah. Um, it was, it was terrifying here. Like you know, ambulances and sirens twenty four seven. It was, it was legit scary. You know, yeah. I used to have to wait outside this grocery store for like an hour online just to get in and get food and. I've been listening to the sound of chipmunks for six months. I didn't even oh. know chipmunks made noise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, man. so, so, and uh, I know we're trying to wrap this up, but Josh, I just want to ask you, like, since you've had so much free time, uh, you know, do you feel like you're making the most of it or have you taken the pressure off of yourself to make the most of it? Or are you at the point of where you've already conceded that like, this is going to be kind of just, I'm tuned out time or how are you, how are, how are you reconciling it? I really had a moment about a month into the pandemic. So sometime in April where I think I, I generally, I don't know if you guys have a time of day that you are generally most anxious, but I tend to wake up anxious. And as the day goes on, I sort of get better. But if I'm anxious, it's first thing in the morning. Hmm. And the anxiety being, you know, like, uh, am I doing enough? Am I creating enough? Am I, am I, what am I doing with my life? And I think that the realization that literally there was no one in the world, for a fact, I knew there was no one in the world out doing anything more interesting that I was doing, was an enormous weight off my shoulders. Yeah. And <laughs> as a consequence, I don't know if I've accomplished very much, but but it's there's been a the accomplishment has been sort of a, an acknowledgement that 
you know, that life can be enjoyable without accomplishments. So that's, if for no, if for nothing else, it's been valuable in that way. Like that's sort of, it's a mentality that, 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 you know, one should have, but I've never been able to latch onto. And, and it's, it's, it's taken, it's taken a giant worldwide health catastrophe to get me to it. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's a great place for this to bring you. Yeah. 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 And Joe, you know, I know that you're like, Joe, Joe, you're sort of a good old fashioned, uh, what do you call it? Communist? Is that what they call them? Or more or of an uh, anarchist? Anarchist. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like saying, Joe Biden. but, like, <laughs> uh, but yeah. I mean, there is something to, you know, this idea when people talk about, uh, you know, like the whole UBI thing, we're not going to go down this wormhole or anything, but just the, the universal basic income. It's like people, if, the, you know, if you're just left to, uh, it'll force a, a scenario in society that's just a better outcome because we're not just sort of all under the hammer and we can have our Josh time, right? We can get out on the hammock, listen to chipmunks and figure out like, you know, how can I contribute? I, I'm, I want to contribute, but I want to make sure I'm doing it in the ways that feel like closest, nearest and dearest and most meaningful and uh, whatever, you know, that's, that's productivity. It's not about like rate of, of stuff, right. Or just putting boxes out on a conveyor, you know, it's, uh, it's something where you, you, you really want to make sure that you're not, uh, like the hustle worship thing. I'm so glad is dead. Right. You're kind of, it's uh, right now, like nobody's out there just like grind, you know, grind culture or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. So, was, um, that was a short lived moment, right? <laughs> well, I, I, it'll come back, uh, you know, as they say, uh, pent up demand. So, uh, uh, I was with uh, I was with some a friend the other day and we were taking a walk and and he said man I, I he's I, we, we, I really hope this thing ends soon so we can get back to normal life and I said to him I, I, what was so great about normal life I mean life was so great before I mean <laughs> I don't know maybe you know a complete reassessment and analysis of what was important and what is important and trying to figure that out isn't the worst thing in the world you know life you know. This getting back to normal life, I just, just sort of realized that my, my normal life involved a lot of subway riding and a lot of being physically uncomfortable and being yeah. surrounded by lots and lots of people I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, there's so many things that are less static on your frequencies, you know? Exactly. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, Joe, I've just to follow up for those that were concerned about your plants last week. Uh, how did you, how did your tomato plants turn out? Um, I don't, did I talk about my tomato plants? Yeah. Here's the thing, man. Uh, the first thing, <laughs> the first thing that we talked, we talked about in the intro of the podcast last week was, uh, that you were telling us about, about tomatoes because you were talking about this stuff you had to put on them. Uh huh. That's like. You have to do it. You can't do it when the oh, sun's out. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't do it when the sun's out, but you can't do it when they're wet. And then it rained while the sun was out right after I did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. It couldn't have been worse timing. <laughs> so we're still at a, a, a TBD on that. Okay, I just want to make sure that everybody yeah. was uh, – we were up to date on that. Well, you know, hey, guys, thanks a lot for the time. Thank uh, you, obvi- so you know, uh, Obviously, you know um, – buy the book. Uh, you can get hand signed signature editions, you know, if, by the way, if I get my copy and it's just like some rubber stamp, I'm going to know like, oh, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like no, I, I need no to worry. see like impression in the paper, right? No, 
In, 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 my, in my dream world, you know, I'll actually live stream myself signing and then doing a little <laughs> sketch on the inside of each cover. That's that's really what I'm hoping for. You could make each one like a vignette where it's like it always opens with a really tight shot of like the pen on the ink or whatever right. on the paper. Or, or just the cover and, opening up, folding right. over. But, but, <laughs> then it's, but it slowly pulls out and it's always like, oh, he's on the toilet, you know, or like, <laughs> like it could be always <laughs> – you can come up with a lot of different vignettes, right, for for signing yeah, this thing. Absolutely. But anyway, uh, but so everybody's got the information. Uh, it's the the Fine Art of Violence, Volume One by Chris Rennie and Josh Rosenblatt. Uh, man, I really appreciate you guys coming on. I'm glad we got kind of got first digs on sort of the show and tell of this. And uh, uh, man, it's it's been a pleasure. Joe, you want to you want to you want to send us out if unless you have anything you need to plug real quick. Yeah, and thank you guys both for being here. We're really happy to uh, to see this happen. Like. You know, uh, again, you know, we we don't want to feel like you know, we, people have to fucking, you know, publish their great American novel during the pandemic necessarily. But every time I see friends of mine who are being productive and doing really cool work and making things happen during this time, it's it's fantastic. So congratulations, because that's a huge thing to get that book done. And we'll look forward to the next one. And we'll look forward to seeing the rest of you guys next week here on the Art Fight Podcast. Our, uh, just right before the show, we confirmed that our guest will be Eddie Campbell, the great artist behind um, the Marcus, Allen. Right? Uh, uh, yeah, uh-huh, that as well. Yeah, he also, uh, the reason he's coming on the show is because uh, uh, he collaborated with Alan Moore on what I think is the greatest graphic novel of all time, From Hell. And yeah. uh from Hell was re-released a few years ago. The original From Hell is all black and white, but it was re-released a few years ago as a comic again. And this time, Eddie had gone back in and recolored some things and done a, a whole new kind of take on the look of it. Um, and now that has been collected into like a master edition book that's just recently been uh, reissued uh, at the end of August. So he's going to come on and we're going to talk to the legendary Eddie Campbell about that. So you guys come back and check out more about uh, comic art, there's a hell of a lot of violence in that book. It's all about Jack the Ripper. <laughs> Jack the Ripper. He would have been uh, more of a striker, more of a striker than a grappler. A little grappling too, though. <laughs> I think he's a, kind of a strangler a little bit too, but it's kind of more of a stabber. <laughs> yeah. uh, that could if 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 our uh, if our uh, uh, if our other podcast idea we had Brian, I, I can't even remember what we were calling it. Versus, right? We would we would pair fighter. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. We could have had it was fucking awesome. I can't believe nobody listened to it. <laughs> but we we could have had like Jack the Ripper versus uh, Andre the Giant. Whoa! Or just like a like um or a British it'd be the British Bulldogs versus uh uh, uh Jack the Ripper or just like Hannah Cyphers or something like somebody you know like yeah. just a I don't know that's that's getting deep in the weeds. Michael Fisting uh, versus <laughs> right. Hey, so uh, all right, we're Aaron Till. We're going to sign this thing off, guys. We'll talk for a couple seconds after this and say a proper goodbye. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and, and checking out uh, uh, Chris's new project and, and Josh's new project. This is an amazing thing. I, I can't wait for Volume 2. Uh, I mean, you kind of sold Volume 2 in such a way that I, it's kind of like I feel like I just bought like the new phone or whatever. And then like a week later, they got a new, better, more you know the same what you loved about the previous one but even you know it's so you're, you're well, killing me man but uh you'll never but, truly appreciate the second one without the first one <laughs> <laughs> well gonna, put man everybody <laughs> that's right all right so we're gonna run this outro and then we'll see you on the other side uh thanks everybody thank you thanks, guys.